rolling. You're listening to Real Crime, the Movie Sleuth Podcast. Fuck this year. <laughs> yes. Yes. I want to start off with that. Fuck this year. I want to pretend that it's the end of 2015, not the end of 2016. Because I don't think any of you listening right now have any doubt as to what I'm alluding to right now. Um, of just the sheer onslaught. This started in 2015, you know, when Lemmy died. For yeah. me, at least. Yeah. Which today is the anniversary of Lemmy's death, as a matter of fact. The fact that I don't have a drink in my hand right now makes me lose about 10 metal cred points on the street. <laughs> so, Well, they I'm can't ca- see. You could just say you're drinking. I'm drinking something. a beer. Yeah, I'm drinking. I got a whole fifth of Jack Daniels <laughs> sitting here. See, that's my Jack Daniels, this this clear bottle. And we're, we're confirming it. Yeah. <laughs> How can you say I've been drinking alcohol when I've been drinking water all fucking day? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, this thing, this, this shit started in 2015. That was the first thing for me, at least. Um... And it just went to hell from there, right? Um, this is going to be a somber show, I think. I saw you post that on Facebook earlier, Chris. I, I think we all kind of feel that way. Like me and Andrew were talking yeah. via like, messenger can I do this tonight. Like, am I going to be up for this one? And yeah, yeah. I mean, I but mean, you, well, we got to do it. Well, when you're grief stricken, the best thing to do is be with other people. Yeah, so, yeah. True. You know, In, um, you know, this sucks. It just sucks. sucks. It this sucks. year has just been first, you know, the Lemmy death a year ago. And then it yeah, has just been like a cavalcade of celebrity deaths for an entire year. It's been like, oh, this person died. Oh, Bowie's dead. Yeah. Oh, Prince is dead. Jesus Christ. Prince like, and Bowie in the was, same year is, is incredible. That's just yeah, insane. Yeah, no kidding. So I think you guys have a good idea of what we're going to be talking about for the bulk of this show tonight. However... We gotta follow our format. We gotta follow the important. format. We gotta it, do our it, thing. It's important, you know, even when you're gri- you're grief stricken. This is for you, young listeners, from old <laughs> Uncle Scott here. Okay, even when you're grief stricken, it's still good to have cycles and keep, you know, keep a cycle in life. Keep you know, keep regularity, right? Right. Um, That's especially important when you're old. Keeping regular. Oh yeah, prunes. <laughs> which which leads me into my my Christmas present. No, I don't even want to. Uh. Yeah, I told you about my Christmas present <laughs> yes. this year. Yeah. Squatty potty, dude. Oh, dude, is it good? What kind oh, of poops, dude? They're awesome. I, I, they're... I seriously want one because I want magical unicorn shits. Yeah, you, you saw the commercials yes. too. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, so I am kind of geeked about that, which shows you my age right there. Like when you're excited about <laughs> pooping, pooping, <laughs> you might as well just hang it up, dude. Like just it's over with, dude. However, though, we'll talk about that here in a few minutes because Chris again has <sighs> been on the street. Mm. Tearing people up, breaking motherfuckers' jaws, hurting people, <laughs> hurting people. Give me news. Just uh, to get the news. What do we got this week, Chris? Well, obviously the first thing is the death of <laughs> Carrie Fisher, which we're going to discuss at length in a few minutes. So yeah, just, you got a little fuck, dose of death fuck there. That news. I don't want to hear about it And then it today, obviously, the death of her mother. <laughs> Come on. Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds. I mean, seriously, usually we're talking about remakes, and this week it's like, the news is, oh, this person died. That person died. It's just, it's just altogether sad. Yeah. So, in actual movie news today, yeah. it came out that Ryan Reynolds will be playing Deadpool in, um, has a, a scene in Logan, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So that'll be. That's kind of weird because the movie's really somber and Deadpool's not somber. 
So, like, how's that going to work, like, I don't know. stylistically and tonally? I have no idea. Maybe he's, like, in the stinger thing at the end or something. Yeah, maybe that. I just don't know. You know, man, it just today sucks. <laughs> well, come on, Something's keep going. Okay. What else do we have, Chris? Rogue One has actually crossed $615 million globally Holy shit. in a week and a half. Mm. And him, Andrew's like, I hate that movie. Um, <laughs> you didn't? Well, yeah. Well, okay. Go ahead, Chris. We'll, we'll and see. it actually just crossed three hundred million domestically today. That's a lot of cash in like eight or nine days. That's a world it, record, isn't it? I'm sure it is. It's actually kind of like stomping all over the Force Awakens numbers right now. It is, which is really kind of strange because you wouldn't think this one-off movie would have done that especially with the build-up to the force awakens yeah but rogue I mean, one really yeah you know and you think about that i mean that's interesting because i noticed that too i mean the force awakens man that hype machine was unbelievable we yeah. all saw it man you couldn't get away from that shit and it seemed like like all this the hype machine for rogue one was much more subdued. I, I mean, it, of course, it's there. Don't get me wrong. It's You can't get away from it. But it didn't seem like it was as, aggress- as aggressive. No, as... it was just a couple of trailers. Very well done trailers. Yeah, yeah. That, funny enough, a lot of the scenes in the trailers aren't in the movie. That's yeah. very true. Um, but it but see... the trailer was fantastic. Yeah, it was great. I just don't know if... I don't. I, well, I know it just wasn't as aggressive as The Force Awakens was. As Andrew sits in silence, again, just, fuck that movie. <laughs> Why fuck that? Well, let's go. Let's, he let's, didn't like let's it. Let's roll with... The, well, okay, let's finish the news and we'll yeah, let's finish the news. I want to hear about this from Andrew. Um, uh. Game of... No, you don't. <laughs> Game of Thrones was announced as the most pirated show of the year. <laughs> Even more than Westworld? Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Doesn't it win every year? Everybody loves you, but nobody wants to pay for you. (laughs) (laughs) You're like a fucking cheap eight mile hooker now. Yeah. 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 I'll eventually buy the Blu ray box set. Yeah. And then I'll have paid for it. (laughs) In releases this week, we've got Hidden Figures, which Andrew did a review of. That's going to be released on Thursday night, I believe, which. You said it was really good, right? It was. It was a good movie. Yeah. So that review will be up at the end of the week. And also Fences goes wide release that this was week, too. a good too. one, too. Awesome. We'll get those reviews posted for you guys. Um, the next thing that we have added to the show is our suggested viewings. Mm. I don't know if you guys brought any this week or not. Uh, yeah. But I actually watched The Autopsy of Jane Doe the other night. I've been hearing a lot about that. Which has been getting kind of the same little bit of... Uh, underground push like hush got yeah yeah it's a pretty good movie it's not the best the atmosphere definitely serves the purpose of the film um it's got uh, what's wrong with me the grief of this week well you got a small dick to start anyways off it's a good movie don't expect yeah that's true um it's a good movie don't expect anything great the atmosphere is awesome some of the visual elements are really cool the music is great yeah I'd, you know, maybe go a six or a seven, but I could just caught that one the other night. So what else we got for suggested viewings this week? Anything? Uh, Uh, Michelle, it's all you. Well, actually, uh, there's uh, Morgan Spurlock made that rat documentary uh, that was kind of filmed like a horror film. I just saw something for that today. Yeah, it's on Netflix now. I know. So uh, it's really well shot and well produced. It's seriously legit as like watching a horror movie, but it's a documentary. And there's, yeah. Super Size Me was kind of like that, too. Yeah. 
But this is shot like so stylish and has a really uh, cool synth horror like score to it. There's like a badass, uh, uh, what's it called? The the exterminator guys from like the New York. He's got a cool accent and he tells you scary rat stories. And it's pretty. It's pretty well done. And it's on Netflix. I I need to check that out. Still, it was was good. You got any, Andrew? Um, Evolution, the new film by uh, Lucille has Halilovic. I think is how you pronounce her name. She's the wife of Gas- director Gaspar Noe and a frequent collaborator, uh, having edited two of his films, Carne and I Stand Alone, and she um, assisted with the screenplay for Enter the Void. Anyway, um, it's like her film Innocence, which was a sort of picnic at Hanging Rock study of uh, adolescent uh, female sexuality and uh, really cloaked in heavy mystery with a lot left open to interpretation at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an adaptation where uh, where her new film Evolution is completely born out of her own uh, her own creativity and drive, and it's it's much closer to something that her husband would have made, if not more. Um, really intense horror, really uh, visually stunning, somewhere between Terrence Malick and uh, and David Cronenberg and David Lynch. Mm. I know those are names that get tossed together in a lot of comparisons where can we see it it's on demand right now video on demand and i think in march it comes out through shout factory is it french it is okay so it's definitely subtitled then Mm -hmm. all right i might need to check this out i gotta check it out it is it is good (laughs) (laughs) i will will see that theater what do you guys got it never hit it never hit theaters and in Michigan, sadly, I did not find it anywhere. I only could watch it on demand, which is a real shame because it's a visually magnificent film. That is very sad. I love to see the film. <laughs> That's a terrible <laughs> French accent. It, it, it is. It, it's, it, okay, I'll stop. Okay, Inspector Clouseau. What? Uh, what? <laughs> what, what, is what, you, what is this? What is this? <laughs> what is your suggested viewing for this week? This week, I actually saw. You fucking okay, frogs, sissy. Shut the fuck up. Stop. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, I just watched a Tom Petty riding on a dream. I think it's I think it, the Tom Petty documentary today. Um, that's kind of my arena, this thing now anyways. Peter Bogdanovich film, right? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I mean, it's a beast. I mean, I put that in my review for it. It's a four-hour-long documentary, man. I mean, it's an entire afternoon you have to dedicate to this, which I did today. Um, but, man, it was just beautiful. I mean, and, you know, Tom Petty's music is just timeless. It's timeless and, and it appeals to everybody. Yeah, it does. You know, and I didn't, you know, I was a big, and I grew up on Tom Petty. Um, I won't say I've been a huge fan over the last 20 years. I haven't been, right? Um, but just hearing those songs be played again, you know, through the through the tapestry and just in the web of this film as they're telling this story literally from the beginning to the end <laughs> it was like the whole damn story of tom betty and his career um the songs are just fantastic so it was just a lot of fun to watch um it's a dedication of time though that, that's something if you want to watch this i highly recommend it um but you do have to spend time with it and it is a challenge to you know get through all that it's a was lot there of a lot of live footage from yeah. concerts and stuff yeah there's yeah. there's live footage that's the thing I th- that's one of the i think maybe one of the complaints i had was um they did kind of stretch a lot of stuff out like they they didn't like they play a video for a song you know mm-hmm. um 
you know, you got lucky, for example, which is a really cool video. It's like that sci-fi thing they did yeah, for MTV yeah. back in the day. Great video. So I didn't mind watching that, but I don't know as a viewer that we had to watch. Like they did a lot of that where they just would splice in a video the entire song, right? So there's five minutes, you know, something like that, or some live stuff where they they do entire songs, and it's like. I, you know, I've seen other documentaries of this sort with the same type of framework, and a lot of times what they do is they just kind of splice in a piece of the song, mm-hmm. yeah, and then go like back to the interview, bring the volume mm-hmm. down on the song, and let the interviews yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, splice over the top. This was of more it. like more sectioned off, um, but still, I mean, the songs are so damn good. It's like well, I'm jamming here. You know? Sounds I'm, like yeah. if you're a fan of Tom Petty, that's like the ultimate oh, dude, thing yeah. to get. Yeah, it's it's a really great thing to watch. I mean, it's and there's there's a companion book with it also. Uh, Lee mentioned that today on the you know on our little chat thing we have going. Um, so it's a big thing to get into. It's a lot like Dove McKagan's documentary, uh, It's So Easy and Other Lies. He, had, he It was kind of a companion to the book he wrote. So, you know, nice big package, but a lot of fun to watch, and I really highly recommend that one. Not to mention, uh, Peter Bogdanovich hasn't really made anything of note in decades, and this no. was yeah. the second to, I'd say, second to the last picture show among his very best movies, Yeah, yes. even though the format is different. Very ambitious, though. Very mm-hmm. ambitious. I mean, there's just a lot of material to get through. Very thorough. Um, yeah, I, very I had thorough. no idea about the battle between him and uh, Oh, the labels? MCA Holy the, crap, yeah. The labels. At, oh, uh, so you saw his documentary, too? Yeah, I did, yeah. My brother oh, wow. and I watched and it. He, I mean, yeah, that, that's the beauty of Tom Petty. You really, that's what you really learn about him, I think, is, you know, during those, you know, in the, you know, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, well, in the 80s especially, I mean, this guy couldn't get any bigger. I mean, he was just huge, right? But Even in the early 90s the when he 70s, did, like, Free Fall yeah. and that stuff, I mean, the he, like, that's 70s the Tom Petty like, I remember, yeah. Yeah. 90s Tom the Petty. The late 70s is when he was fighting with the labels, and he took zero. He would not concede. He's like, you guys are screwing me, and I'm not going to let you do it. I mean, that's kind of what the story was. Um so yeah, it was really cool to see those backstories, and that's what that's why I love documentaries of that sort. I'm such a music fan that I don't just love the music; I want to hear all that drama. There's some <laughs> funny backstories in that one too, like when they get pulled over for uh, for pot. Oh and, yeah, he ate the whole brick of hash. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're in, they're getting booked, and um, I think the the guitarist was looking at Tom, and he just makes Smiled. this big uh, hash covered grin. Yeah, and continues eating. <laughs> And then it cuts to him performing after that, and you can tell he's on a... Yeah, that, that, well, yeah, he was all screwed. He was, he was fucked up, obviously. <laughs> but, but he killed. He killed. He was great. So yeah. you, you get a lot of great stuff out of that documentary. Again, it, there's just a lot to talk about, about in which we're not going to do, because of just the depth and how big that thing is. It's a beast of a, of a film to watch. So four hours. Right? Four hours. Three hours and 59 minutes. That's ju- exactly like that Eagles documentary was yeah. over four hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like the Eagles, Yeah, but the movie is very, very interesting. But, you know, mm-hmm. it does justice to, some, to artists like that, I think, because, you know, they have a ton of material. If They've you're not a working. fan, it has the potential to turn you into a fan. Yeah, well, totally, totally. But there's just so much material out there. These are people that never have slowed down. I mean, they've they've been consistent playing for their entire career. This has been their life. And, I mean, a lot of people in his band are the guys he grew up with. I mean, these are original yeah. members. It wasn't like he's been switching people out. He's had a lot of the bulk of his band are original members. So I think it deserved that much depth and that you know just to be that it need to be that ambitious and that's why you know a fantastic documentary so that enough we're, we're done tom petty rules let's move on <laughs> so we're going to talk about some of the best films of the year yeah. 2016 but we kind of want to touch on this whole carrie fisher thing a little bit too as sad as it is yeah 
whole thing is just it's it's kind of shocking. Um, and what saddens me a little bit about it is that you know she had kind of faded from the spotlight a little bit, but had continued writing and had this just this tangible sense of humor where she found humor in everything. Whatever the bad situation was, she always had a snide, sarcastic remark yeah. for it that always made things light and funny. And to see her die at 60 years old yeah. from a massive heart attack, it's just, it's weird. You see people on Facebook and Twitter like, oh, why are you so sad about it? Why is it so Fuck upsetting you, my childhood, to you? man. Yeah, it's, it's your childhood. It's gone. And like I wrote in that piece that I put up last night, a lot of us grew up with those characters. So we relate to them, not just as the characters, but we relate to them as people too. Yeah. And, you know, her her acting career had obviously faded, but to see them come back last year to do The Force Awakens, it kind of brought all that back and you kind of got that emotional context of connecting with these actors again. Well, you feel like it's kind of come, like, to me, I'm like, okay, this is coming full circle for these people now, right? That, I mean, coming back to this, you know, pro the, the, these epic films, and now they're back, um, it just seemed sweet to me. Like, you know, like and a high school reunion or yeah, something. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. like Carrie Fisher, like, you know, she did a lot of work. She was still doing things. She just oh, wasn't yeah. some big famous actress mm-hmm. in the spotlight all the time. That doesn't mean they're washed up or right. they're poor or they've ruined their lives. She had her challenges. Yeah, and that's, that's just like very, anybody all, else. Like anybody else. But she was still doing things. I mean, she was in White Lightning. I don't know if, you're, if you saw yeah. that photo. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yep. Jessica, Jessica White. Um She's uh, fantastic. She was in that. great in that movie. Fan- I loved her in that. She film. even sings in it, and is, yeah, is a lot better than uh, the Star Wars Holiday Special. Well, even <laughs> even on the Star Wars Holiday Special, I actually listened to that song yesterday because I couldn't really remember what her singing voice was like. Yeah, her voice was good. It was just the stupid fucking song. Yeah, that yeah. failed it didn't her. Do any justice to her. I've never seen that special. Is it as bad you, as everybody yes. says it is? Yes, it is. It's. Like, is it fun bad? Yes. Yes and no. It's both. <laughs> it depends painful. on the mood you're in. It's like a Monos the Hands of Fate bad. <laughs> the best part of it is the animated section mm-hmm. where they introduce Boba Fett, because that was the first time he ever appeared was in the holiday special. Yep. Mm-hmm. But no, the holiday special, I mean, it's just so sappy and just so... Uh, yeah. It's Chewbacca's family making all these Wookiee sounds of one another, and there's no subtitles, and... <laughs> <laughs> it's like being trapped it's like being trapped in a hell for a few minutes <laughs> it is it really is so literally before the show tonight uh well obviously the carrie fisher news has been happening we've been all mourning that all week we find out today that debbie reynolds go is gone now too mm. yeah you know what what that don't make that that just is Look, I don't believe in coincidences. That's just my personal belief. I oh, no. My spiritualism in life is one of those things. I'm not going to say that, that, oh, my God, there's the, the world is ending. We're all going to, you know, there's, I don't think that's the case here. But that, that just, that's just too close, too eerie for me um, to, to well, process, we, I guess. I don't know. Before you know, the show, we were kind of discussing this a little bit. And, like, yeah. I know people who's, like... Their mom died, and then, like, their dad died, like, three days later yeah. because the stress and loss of their, 
partner they've been with for 60 years, it's far too great for them to tackle and to handle. And they, there's cases of this. If you look at like Vietnam and um, the Korean war, there are cases where people actually killed themselves by their own. They've been able to like, mentally shut themselves shut down. themselves yeah. off and die. Now I'm not saying that is specifically the case here, but I think the overwhelming sense of loss she must have felt like my daughter's gone before me. Well no parent wants to in, bury their child. That that's I think that's Well and the, she's having she was having to grieve in the public eye also. Yeah. Which probably added a whole lot yeah. more stress. A pile than, more stress. You know? Yeah. You know it's funny. My when my grand I'm not my grand when my uncle passed away in nineteen ninety three he had a dog, a Dalmatian, and that dog died two days later, too. The dog was one of the, it's a Dalmatian. Have you seen Dalmatians? They just run in circles. Yeah. They're insane. This dog would, would never, it never took a break. And I, I remember that at that time when my uncle passed away, the dog just sat in the corner and didn't move. It just sat there and it wouldn't eat. It wouldn't do anything. Aww. And it just died. She, her name was Sam. Mm-hmm. She just died. So, I mean, it's not only people. I mean, this is for pets. This is for animals. There is that bond. I yes. believe that. And that, that's why I'm saying that yeah, this is eerie. This is hard for me to, to process. But you're a thousand percent right. Um, couples have been known to do that. Yeah, you've been with somebody for 60 years. Um, you're so attached mentally. Yeah. That That's a part of you. That's 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 a part of you now. I mean, just as much as your, your, your flesh and blood mentally you're there so if that gets ripped away from you a part of you dies too and maybe it's that big of a part that you die also you go you know maybe this massive stroke was waiting to happen it probably was just manifested it it just took something to trigger it yeah yeah the overt stress of your daughter who was a hyper talent yeah being killed like or not being killed like that but dying like that I mean, I could see it. I could totally see it. It's just this onslaught, though. This and and Carrie Fisher to me this year, yeah, this is the big one. This for me, this is not the way I wanted to end this year personally. And I think we both share that, Chris. Um, this was, I mean, of all the shit that we've seen this year, this was the one that I was like, no, come on, really? Uh, with all the great stuff, that, with all the wonderful things that that we're seeing happening with Star Wars again. You know, and it's not that I care like, oh, my God, well, what's going to happen in the movies now? No, yeah. that's not the case at all. But there was just all this beauty happening, and I was excited again. And, you know, again, it's it's a sad thing. I don't want to see her go. I just don't want to see her go. I don't care about my own personal right. movie intake. But the whole thing just seems like, man, this is just a bummer now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because she was – what I liked about her was she had – uh, issues that she was struggling with and mental health issues, mm-hmm. but she wasn't afraid to talk about them publicly and make a safe haven for other people to come forward with their mental illness and yeah. not live, you know, uh, feeling like they have to hide who they are. And she was funny and snarky. Yeah. And, I, and I loved mm. that when she was in The Force Awakens, people were trying to dog her out because she, like, visibly aged because that's what fucking human oh, beings God. do sorry that's part of the human experience yeah, yeah. and they're like oh she's like you know looks so old and haggard she's fucking old man okay, she's this lived isn't, some this life. isn't the you return know? of the jedi yeah okay? <laughs> but it's like it's sometimes it's not okay for women to age it's okay for men to age like everybody's that's like bullshit. oh harrison 
you know, Harrison Ford looks great because he's Harrison Ford and men get, you know, distinguished and they get old. But when women get old, like our looks are kind of what uh, are our currency, I guess, in life. Not they're not supposed to be, but they are in Hollywood. So true. You know, and it, that really makes me think about that because I find I mean, that's bullshit, obviously. Yeah. It's complete horse shit. But like, let's take someone like one of my favorites, like Helen Mirren. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. She's been a been a doll since the day she was born. But, you know, as she matured and became, a, you know, just a, a mature woman, I was like, wow, now that. Wow. I. I, there's a lot of women that I see, like in Hollywood, anywhere, that I think a lot of them, when they get older and they mature, they just become more attractive. Because like a wine, fine wine, man. Well, yeah, but they because it's not just about looks, okay? It's about attitude also, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, and when you see a woman mature, and I mean, I know women, you know, I've seen women in my family, and you see them grow, and you just man, man wow, now that's the full package. I think a, a woman, a girl, told me years ago, and I mean, this isn't for everybody, obviously. But um, a girl told me years ago, it was I was younger and I, I had this hang up about dating girls with kids, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, I don't want to date that chick. She's got a kid. And this girl I know told me, she's like, that, uh, you know, women who have children, they become real women, Scott. It's You really should take the time to get to know this person, right? So there's a lot of things, I think, with maturity, not just having kids, yeah. but experiences. Um, becoming that, comfortable with yourself. Yeah, right. Confidence. 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 Right. She was so, confident, and she so, didn't. She didn't give a shit what she thought about what she was doing with her life because it was her life to yeah, live. Yeah, exactly. And she lived her life like that to the very end. So the nerds that want to run their mouth about stuff like that, dude, really <laughs> piss off. You really don't know what you're talking about. You're too young, probably, to understand. Yeah. Wait till you get old, like Uncle Scott here, and you'll <laughs> and you got the pooper, and you got and you got yeah, and you got the squatty you're potty. About your squatty potty, and you get and getting socks for Christmas, and, you got and your gloves walker. for Christmas. Yeah, and you got your walker. Uh, th- this whole thing just it just goes back to socks. Andrew, it's, what were some other movies that she starred in? Um, what were some other, uh, Blues Brothers with John Belushi, um, The Burbs, uh, oh, yeah. opposite Tom Hanks. Um, she had a brief bit in Austin Powers when uh, he gives that epic speech mid-film. I don't even remember that. Dr. Evil, they're at therapy, and uh, <laughs> he's sitting next to uh, Scott Evil, and he gives this really long speech that became really popular with T-shirts and posters. That's right. Um, but that was just a cameo. Um, yeah, I'm not you really mentioned sure. White Lightning already. Yeah, mm-hmm. White Lightning. Yeah, fantastic in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, she was in uh, When Harry Met Sally, too. That's yeah. right. You're right. And yeah. she played kind of the comedic relief to Meg Ryan in that movie. She was the best friend. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Like, I just feel so just like, ick. Have you right read now. her book, uh, Wishful Drinking? No, I did not. <laughs> it's it's hysterical. She, the way she recounts everything, she has this real, uh, like you were saying, Michelle, this really snarky uh, recollection about everything. Like one, one story she told was so she um, she can he consoled her with his penis <laughs> instead of, instead of it in those words. Isn't that? Didn't she say she slept with Harrison Ford in that book? Um, or is I that she said that recently? That yeah. was that was a recent thing that she said she had an affair. There was a, I was, was like, a, fuck yeah, you did. Fuck Prime Harrison Ford. I'd have <laughs> fucked the shit out of Prime Harrison Ford. 
anybody's idiot not to have sex with him, man. I'm like, I, I don't even feel sad for anything. I, I, if I was her in position, you know, she was wearing that damn bikini, that metal bikini, and Harrison Ford's like, sup, girl. <laughs> they was getting to know. Well, yeah, I mean, you know that. I mean, well, that was what... on the Empire Strikes Back, I think, that that took place. And it gives that scene where they say um, they exchange their vows to one another as he's about to be frozen in carbonite. Oh, I love you. Yeah. I know. Yeah, there's gives it a, a bit more weight now. With that yeah, the, uh, yeah. I, I will say openly that I think we can agree on this. For me, see, you know, in, in Return of the Jedi, seeing her in that outfit was one of the first like that first nerd boner. That's a female. <laughs> oh my god, that is a female, and she is beautiful. I mean, I I was very young when that movie came out, but. There was something that stirred in me. Oh yeah, they're like, "Whoa!" Holy I was like, crap. "Damn, I gotta get me some bondage gear." Like, yeah, stat. Uh, I think I was like eight. Yeah, yeah we were, we were about eight. Yeah, I was oh, nine. Yeah, yeah. I was nine. I am um, May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty three. And I think, I think that's. I mean, Carrie Fisher is awesome in so many different ways, but that's something too. Like that was like my first exposure to you know trying to understand what the what a female is mm-hmm. i mean from on a real you know primal level here you know as a child like learning these things um so i think that's why she's been near and dear to my heart also it's just she was part of my development seeing well, her on the big screen and the fact was that you know up until she did princess leia the versions of female leads in sci-fi films Barbarella, very, very highly sexualized, yeah. mm-hmm. almost ex- exploitation in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Princess Leia came along and it really kind of, and without Carrie Fisher, the character would not have been the same because she added her attitude yeah. into that yeah. character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She spun that character to be her own. Yeah. And without what she did for female lead actors in action roles, we wouldn't have probably... Ellen Ripley. Yeah, that's number I mean, one. Number one. Yeah. You know. Imperator Furiosa. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely. She was a, she was a trailblazer in that aspect. Yeah. Totally. Totally. A trendsetter for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because she just held her own in a, in a very male dominated film. Lots of, you know, male uh, wish fulfillment going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but she still held her own as a. Uh, a player and you know and she's a player in the film and and in the later films i think my fa- one of my favorite things about force awakens is that she's like a general in it she's like really important now like she yeah. she she went past they didn't just be like oh here she is come talk and leave they, she's like important no, i like and, that they, well, and the demeanor is totally different yeah she's got uh what's what's the word i'm looking for Rank? She's yeah she's statuesque you know like yeah. like very you yeah, know powerful. commanding yeah yeah um Stoic. Yeah, stoic. That's, That's the word the I was word. looking for. Yes, that is what I was looking for. Stoic. Uh, yeah, it's a whole different. I mean, she's at it. But that's the thing we're talking about, though. Like you, with what you mentioned is, she's at a different point in her life. Mm-hmm. Okay, we age. Yeah, you know what? Maybe maybe you don't look as good as you did when you were nineteen years old. Okay, whatever. Right? There is a beauty. <clears throat> I do. Well, I, I, do, I, I do always too. thought I think I'm better looking in my 30s than I was. I was a goober when I was 19. <laughs> I was fugly. You um, kind of were. <laughs> That's true. I've seen pictures. <laughs> I, Online. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I haven't seen these yet. I'll I'm email them later. Just check out RideTube. <laughs> Hotmixgirls.com. <laughs> but yeah, I just there's so much there's so much depth here to you know just and the thing is like that's the thing she wasn't in a million movies right no but what she did do you know what the the work she did that small library it had had such an impact on people mm-hmm. I think that's the, what's the most impressive about Carrie Fisher is just that she worked behind the scenes too I heard she did script doctoring and that kind yes, of stuff yeah, too. Yeah, yeah yeah so she was uh I, I'm not sure exactly what movies she worked on but apparently I read it earlier but I forgot but it you know she was doing she was working the whole time you know just not in front of the camera all the time this year as we said, has been just bullshit. It really has been. Way, way too many uh, staggering amount of celebrity deaths. I actually took some time today, if we want to take a couple minutes with this. The only problem here, Chris, is you have this crappy mood lighting going again. You need to turn the lights up. <laughs> I can't see anything. He's trying to keep it sexy. Uncle Scott, his eyes are going. I just sit, I just refer to myself in third person. That's bullshit. I shouldn't be. That's doing something that old people do. That's what. That's is that what old, yes. old people do? They go. They they talk in third person like that. They sure do. Um, are you gonna turn <laughs> the lights up, Chris? Because I'm working on, on it. Me and come, we got we got. I can't see. I lost my Wi-Fi connection, so you're gonna have to wait there, pal. Oh come on. <laughs> the future. Well, the future is now. I can wing it. Um, I actually went and spent some time today because I was thinking about this all day. Like my God. And I actually went and pulled some, you know, just pulled some info here mm-hmm. and kind of trimmed down for stuff that applies to us, obviously. But January, um, and we're not going to go through all this. This is just a crap ton of information. Um, thank you. for you. Ang- Angus Scrim in January. On January 9th, that was the tall man, Phantasm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that was a pretty important, that's, that's nice. That's good. I can see, Chris. Thank you. Uh, we obviously lost David Bowie in Jan- on January 10th. Uh, Alan Rickman on January oh, yeah. 14th. This is just January. Yeah. This is just, I just talked, we're just talking January right Little now. Little did we know. Um, that 2016 Dan Haggerty, The Life and Times of Grizzly, Grizzly Adams. Mm-hmm. You know, another, another vision from my youth. I was like that big old beard. I mean, just massive looking dude. Uh, Abe Vigoda. Godfather. He was like ninety four, though. I know, but still, it's just all po- okay. Do I? You want me to omit the people that are over age sixty? No, but as I'm gonna do, I'm, we're going all night. Fuck you. But this is what we're. I'm greeting <laughs> no, everything no, on this list here. No, but uh, to me, it's it still affects me. I mean, I you know, I don't care if they're old or not. It's like, well, dude, that sucks. That guy's gone. You know, would you quit fucking with the lights, dude? Now, now he's just <laughs> screwing my head, dude. <laughs> February. Uh, okay, we're gonna fly through this. Um, you know, Gil Hill, he was in uh, the, the Beverly. I'm sorry, no, Beverly Hills, Gil Hill, Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, Beverly Hills Cop. He passed away. Uh, Tony Burton from Rocky. That yeah. was in February. Um, Frank Sinatra Jr. We lost him in March. Uh, Rob Ford. <laughs> put Rob Ford on here, Mayor of Toronto. All right, I'm, I, oh, I may have, I may have put a little fluff in this thing. Sorry, he deserved it. Uh, Gary <laughs> Shandling. We lost him. Oh, yeah. in March. Right, uh, April Merle Haggard, you know, fantastic, you know, singer. Uh, I hate country. country. Shut up, you're dumb, dude. <laughs> country <laughs> and western. We play both kinds. Merle, Hag- <laughs> <laughs> Merle Haggard rules. Uh, Doris Roberts. Everybody loves Raymond. Christmas yep. vacation. Yeah. Uh, Christmas boy. Yeah. <laughs> 
We lost China also in, in uh I can feel my hair growing. In April. <laughs> China China passed away, the wrestler China. Yeah. Oh yeah, I huge. forgot about that. There's so oh, many people died I forgot. Prince April twenty yeah. first. Lost Prince. Uh, um that was Yeah, that was that was personally the toughest for me. Um, other people might say differently, but he was definitely a very big uh Yeah. Idol in my life, starting at a very young age. I think from when I was five years old, I was listening to the Purple Rain on my mm-hmm. my uh, Fisher Price record player, which was it wasn't meant to be played on something like that. But yeah, yeah you're a kid. You're, you're, you want to take you want to you want to digest it. Don't matter. So, I don't care what you played on. Muhammad Ali. Uh, oh yeah. In June, June third, Muhammad Ali. Uh, Gordy Howe, which is more like Detroit. He was a hockey player. Right? Yeah, I met uh, Gordy Howe. Anton Yelchin. Oh, that one was really nineteen. That was so really young. tragic. That sucked. That um, over an accident with his car coming out of park, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jerry Doyle passed away in July, July 27th. He was in Babylon 5, which uh, you know, I like Babylon 5. That's a good show. Uh, Gene Wilder in August. Oh, yeah. Mm. On August uh, 29th. I mean, seriously, it's Damn. like the list could go just go on and on and on and on. It does. We're going to keep going. <laughs> No, we're nearly done. Uh, October, we got lucky. There was not really anything notable, at least for for our purposes in October. We got very lucky on that. Uh, Miller's Cross. You guys remember the movie Miller's Crossing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that movie. Uh, John Polito. That's right. In, yeah, he passed away. He was uh, also September first. Big Lebowski. And, yeah, uh, yeah, Big Lebowski. The man who wasn't there and most of the Coen Brothers filmography, I think. November, Florence Henderson. Yeah. Come on, really. Uh, Fidel Castro passed away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Throw that fuck. down. Um, Burning hell. Fritz Weaver, who was in Creep Show. Remember the crate? Yeah. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. You know, really, you know, love. I love that. That's my favorite little partition of, of uh, Creep Show. Um, December, finally rounding the year off here. Uh, we had all kinds of. Uh, uh, Don Don Calfa, he was already in the Return of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. He passed away on uh, December third. Uh, Alan Thick, yep. that was on the third. That was pretty shocking. Um, Bernard Fox, who was Doctor Jenga Jenga uh, on uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, this. No, okay. Maybe we're putting this under a microscope. Like maybe. You know, every year, a shitload of people, people are dying all the time, right? This is, it's well, mortality, yeah. right? But I think it's just we notice more because it's people from our generation. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. and yeah. plus we're the, and, and the internet is immersed in society now. So now every death gets broadcast immediately. And, yep. Well, well and yeah, for yeah. us, it's affecting us more because we grew up the, with the people yeah. from our age group that we grew up with, you know, we were children when these people were just. Like mm-hmm. coming into their stardom, mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher, George Michael, yeah. Prince, yeah. like Zsa Gabor. Mm-hmm. That's one. right, Zsa Gabor passed away. She yeah. was 162 though, uh, so that was totally 99. Expected. She was 99. Dang. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, George Michael just a couple days ago uh, on Christmas. Yeah. I, what did they? What was? What, what did he die from? Did they ever say? Hurt. His heart gave out. I've heard. I was. I was actually listening to some news stuff today, and there's been there's stories all you know, like heroin. Mm-hmm. You know, there was drug use involved. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, I think it was yeah. a heart attack. It, it just you know, it makes me like down. I literally want to eat better and just take care of myself more, so I don't die when I'm like fifty five. It doesn't yeah. matter. I think well, you know, we, before, doesn't matter. We were talking about this before the show, though, too. And I, me and Chris were chatting for a minute. 
and I was, you know, I was saying the same thing, like, what the hell's going on here, right? Um, and I mean, this may just be, a, you know, this is just a physical thing. I mean, a lot. I mean, a lot of these people had histories of drug mm-hmm. use, heavy drug use. Okay, lived hard. Apparently, Motley Crue were not affected by that, but but they might Richards, be in the next ten years. They might be. Um, Carrie Fisher was obviously very open about her uh, her use, especially on the once again the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, she said she uh, she was coked out of her mind. I think were the words she used. I really gotta watch this now. Yeah, you need to watch. You guys it. Are Carrie Fisher, twenty seventh, <laughs> of course, of you know just. <laughs> Yeah. Fucking yesterday. I think that we can just kind of say fuck 2016 and we can kind of hope that 2017 is better. Yeah. But now we got to deal with Trump. Oh, God. You want to make this political? No. <laughs> you really got to go political with no, this thing? No. <laughs> Are we done we with did, this list yet? We're done. No, we're we totally did get some really good movies out of Lights 2016, dim. which we're going to talk about right now. It was a really yeah, good yeah. year for movies, I would yeah, say. Yeah, it was. Actually. Yeah. I mean, on a positive note, really, we got to pick this up. We, I don't, I don't want this... I yeah, I don't want to go out on this depressing note, and I just got to say, Arrival for Fuck me, yeah, was one on my list. Awesome, fantastic. You saw that it finally, was, right? Yeah, that was that was great. Just a beautiful That's, film, yes, all around to me. Just was start one of those, to finish. Yeah, just you know, it kind of took me back to like Interstellar. I know they're kind of both sci-fi, but I thought Interstellar was just there was just there was a softness to the film. Um, so it, it was it was geeky and nerdy. Which is fun, but it really kind of just yanked at the heart. It had a tenderness to the uh, emotional, emotional side. Um, I thought this as a UFO film uh, was the best one since Spielberg's Close Encounters. You think so? Kind in a contemporary sense, absolutely. Um, as far as the images, as far as the conflict with the central character, as far as how uh, it captures in a microcosm the world reacting to it. It, uh, for me, also is my favorite Denise Villeneuve film because I'd seen uh, Prisoners and Cindy's and Sicario and I uh, wasn't sure how he was going to do with Blade Runner. But then out of nowhere, just like the aliens and Arrival, the film appeared. And uh, yeah, I think think he's going to make a really great science fiction director. I think the look of the actual aliens... That's oh what yeah, really got me. They um, weren't overdone. No, they, they weren't. But they, but at the same time, they were something that's like whoa. But they were so when, when you see them coming, the, you know, their their first appearance, their shadows initially, like you just see these shadows coming. It's like what the hell are we about to see? There's a shot in it that's sort of like uh, the spider sequence in Enemy, where Jake yes. Gyllenhaal looks around the corner and there's this giant spider. There's a scene where Amy Adams is. I think having a nightmare of some kind and she's in her home and one of those uh one of those aliens is coming right up to her. Shot very similarly. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I just think that 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 really just that was the film it just got me in the gut. Just hit me in the gut this year and mm-hmm. I mean I'm I'm I we didn't really plan this guys. I kind of typed up my notes here, <laughs> but Chris just mentioned that I think off the cuff. 
Um, and I had it number one on my mm-hmm. list as far as, you know, one of my favorite, you know, things this year. Um, so, yeah, I think everybody, we're, we've all seen this. Have you seen this, Michelle? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah me um, and Michelle saw it together, yeah, actually. Oh, she screening. held my hand. She held your hand. Yeah, <laughs> Just I got scared. He, he was scared. You, you, you held my gland. You were scared during... by the squid aliens. Yes. <laughs> the squid aliens. The squid billies. My dad never goes to movies on his own. He usually only goes with a group, and this was the first movie in eight years that he went to see on his own. And, yeah, he loved it. Thought it was amazing. He went by himself. He did. Wow. I saw it with my dad. I went and saw the arrival with my dad. Um, he liked it. He loved it. Mm-hmm. He thought. I mean, my dad's not like a movie nerd like we are, but we we left there and he was he. he you know, he, I'm watching the plot. I'm yeah. trying to dissect it and understand. Cause I'm, you know, get towards the end when the big reveal happens. You're like, oh shit, holy crap! So I did have to kind of explain to him as we're leaving. He's like. So, uh, yeah, you know, they, uh, what the happened there? And I'm like, okay, here's how it works, you know, and I kind of explained it to him. You know, he's just, you know, just don't process the same way. I understand. But he really liked it. He thought it was really cool. I think um, that's the mark of uh, um, an excellent movie is when you go as a movie, like we're like, you know, movie connoisseurs, and then you go with somebody that doesn't watch as many movies and you both like it for different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's so well made that there's yeah. parts that appeal to somebody that maybe doesn't watch a lot of film. But there's also like these. It, it's funny you mentioned Terrence Malick earlier. I felt like some of that film kind of channels Terrence Malick. It kind of like dream dreamier aspects, more surreal aspects of his filmmaking. Definitely in terms of the editing, for sure. How it sort of weaves in and out of her, uh, you know, uh, her recollections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're sort of told in an abstract fashion, mm-hmm. a nonlinear fashion. Which some people I, I discussed online with didn't like that aspect of it because it starts out so uh, hard sci-fi. Like, But the, what I liked about it is even though it's a very emotional, metaphysical style sci-fi film, it still uses real science in a way to yeah. uh, f- give it a foundation of authenticity that mm. makes the story make sense. Like everything, and there's no cheating. That's probably one of the most airtight scripts I've ever seen. Mm. It's There's absolutely no cheating in that film uh, for all, everything fits together perfectly like a puzzle. You and know? you're referring to more or less just... just all the facts that were yes. lined up in the film there was yeah and, and but we, they don't explain don't. it to you in a very obvious way it's not like an interstellar where there's like literally they're just sitting there with a piece of paper like this how black holes work you know like <laughs> they, they're like very he's very subtle in the way that yeah. he organically has the characters talking yeah and explaining it to each other but it's not obvious that i'm giving you exposition info now and you must pay attention it's yeah. not like that it's very subtle and and uh just so well done. Like after the movie was over, I just wanted to clap. Like, oh, that was just yeah. Well, the information. I sound really pretentious like, right now, but sorry. But it was, it was just yeah. so well done that I was, you know, I mm-hmm. like it when movies show and don't tell mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. The nerdy aspects, I think, were more spoon fed, kind of. Yes. They they were like you. They, and I did know like, and the way it was kind of laid out. Like again, we're not going to spoil, but like they're talking about the language and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And they you're learning that as the film goes on, you know, just piece by piece, and they kind of explain it. They'll show like it all happening, and they kind of talk over it, like documentary stuff, yeah. kind of, right? Montage, yeah. 
gotta have a montage. But they, you know, he's, uh, they're smart because the way they, they kind of circumnavigate that is they have two scientists who are experts in completely polar opposite fields. Yeah. Because her field is more metaphysical with language and processing. Yeah, and his fi- and his field was, you know, mathematical and hard numbers. Mm-hmm. So they have to explain to each other how their, you know, different fields yeah. operate. So in doing so, they also explain to the audience you know, facts that we need to know, but yeah. not directly talking to them. You know, I'm yeah. doing a little finger quote. You can't see it. So I think, yeah, can't say enough good things. Sorry, about I have Ryder. a boner for that movie. I'm going to throw another one out there that everybody's going to have a boner for. I know Andrew's going to have a big boner for <laughs> Green Room. Oh, yeah. oh, dude, I forgot yeah. to put that on my list. What's wrong with me? Terrible. You didn't like it? No, I no, it's terrible you didn't put it on your list. No, I thought it was great. Yeah. Cool I, movie. Yeah. I, I saw, saw that in Chicago on uh, on Alien Day. Yeah, and, and sadly, for whatever reason, the movie didn't really have a a wide audience theatrically. I don't know how it's doing on video, but I was blown away by it. I had gone in seeing, uh, having seen Blue Ruin prior to it, and I know you like Blue Ruin better, but I still I thought, haven't seen that. I need to. They got the punk rock stuff right. I'll leave it at I, that. That was what I was really happy about with Green Room was. They actually got the punk rocks. You've, we've all seen those movies where they try to emulate, mm-hmm. you know, a counter a counterculture in a in a movie, right? And if you're, if you've if you've been kind of in the real thick of that, especially for you know, if you've been there, you see that and go, oh, it's a crock of shit. It's not how these people talk. It's not how they act. Um, I just gotta ask. Yeah, seeing those visceral violent gut tearing scenes in a theater how was that um of the few people there it was Sexy. pretty spectacular <laughs> i know i didn't see it coming um i mean because blue ruin was very brutal i knew it was going in it was going to be uh ultra violent that was no question judging by the poster where he's got the machete yeah i, I knew going in it was going to be pushing the limits of a an r rating it just happened in ways i didn't expect i didn't I've never seen someone gutted in that fashion, so it was it was very shocking. And a lot of the scenes with the with the dogs as well. Oh, dude, Fishes. I gotta watch this again now. You have a copy of that, don't you? No, I don't. And you get to see Evil Picard, but I yeah. like that he was kind of like a little somewhat elegant. He I was guess. elegant. You know, he was a leader. Yeah. He was a leader. He was, yeah, lawful he was a leader evil. of a bunch of knuckleheads, but he was a leader nonetheless. Mm-hmm. He was very controlled. Yeah. In how he handled the situation. Yeah. He never freaked out, even though everything was hitting the fan around him. Yeah. Even in the final moments of the movie, when everything's coming down, Mm -hmm. he's still very matter of fact and in control of the situation as much as he can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 He kind of reminds me of uh, that show Metalopocus. I never can say that. Like Metal Metal, op- Metal, Metal Apocalypse. Metal Apocalypse. But uh, they're like Metalocalypse. The guy yeah. that yeah. runs their stuff. The guy in the suit that uh, runs all their like their agent. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, like yeah. he's mm-hmm. the most metal motherfucker out of all of them. Like yeah. basically, but he has to like you know still do it business style. Like mm-hmm. he. That's how he reminds me of like you know. Yeah. Like he kept it together, but he was still evil as shit. But he you know. The whole setup in that movie, I thought, was cool. When it, you know, when when things kind of hit, when Chris said, when they hit the fan, there's like this gridlock now. Like, yes. what are we gonna do here? You it's know? fast too. Yeah, it's very fast. It's really mm-hmm. aggressive, and it's one of those things. Like, if you were in that situation, you and that's what that's the mark of something really great. It's like, oh, I'm dude, if I was in that situation, just kill me. Just kill me. Just kill yeah. me. 
Yeah. I'm done. You know, what do we do here? These are, we're innocent people. We didn't do it. We just came here to play a gig. You know? Visually, the film is really great to look at, too. I mean, yeah, David Fincher uses the color green quite a bit, and so do the Wachowskis for the Matrix films, but you can still really do a lot with the color green, and they I thought they used greens and yellows mm-hmm. really uh, really effectively in this film, particularly in the the titular green room itself, yeah. with where, the, where much of the action happens. Yeah, it's a tough movie to watch mm-hmm. in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um, but it was one of those ones I knew I had to watch. I mean, just from a personal interest. It's not uh, for the faint-hearted, for sure. No, it's a it's a you know especially like there you know without spoiling there's a there's a dog scene. Mm-hmm. One of the scenes with the dogs, and that was like holy crap, dude. <laughs> that I mean, and they show you everything, and it's oh, it's, it's very horrible, graphic, horrible detail. They don't hold anything back in Green Room. Yeah. The funny thing was, I was actually watching the bonus material on that film, uh, and the band, mm-hmm. the what is they called the aren't the aren't rights or the ain't rights? They were called mm-hmm. the ain't yeah. rights. They actually played. Oh, they, were they, they a real band? They no no they the, they, like those they people really those people could all play oh, somewhat, okay. and they actually played a gig <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> they did a gig with the band. Oh cool! And they played a bunch of they just played a bunch of punk mm-hmm. covers and stuff like that. Well, Anton Yelchin could play and mm-hmm. sing yeah. too, as he proved in. Yep. Oh, God. Well, I can't even think about it right now. The movie. Yeah, that movie. Yeah. Anyways. The movie when he played things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my brain is fried this week. Mm-hmm. Somebody else throw one out there. What's another best of 2000? Oh, oh, yeah. I absolutely loved that one. That movie scared the crap out of me. I would say pro tip for The Witch, watch it with subtitles. Tough, because yeah, that... I felt like I was watching it for like 10 minutes. And I was like, hmm. And I put the subtitles on, I started back over, I was like, there we go. Yeah, it makes sense now. Only because it, I think what I liked about it the most was the language. It was, it, it, it's weird how language has evolved over time and how they're speaking English, but it's still almost, it, it's just on the cusp of not making sense when you're listening to it because mm-hmm. it's so old fashioned. Yeah. But with the subtitles on, it just a thousandfold helped me comprehend what they were mm-hmm. saying. And I felt like it made it. But maybe that might take away some of the like atmosphere. Maybe it's a little scarier when it's so alien to you. I know. Perhaps. I didn't watch it with subtitles myself. Go ahead, Andrew. What were you going to say? It was interesting that it was an old English folktale that was uh, uh, from the mind of a, uh American director, and it was his first movie, first film as a writer-director anyway. And uh, also the film, in addition to being a time capsule, is sort of a coming of age it puts a coming of age spin mm-hmm. on witchcraft sort of you know wouldst thou like to live deliciously you know what's the point where we're living in a you know puritanical way of life to being free is mm-hmm. one way of looking at it yeah. anyway it looked beautiful too yeah. um i watching it i remember i was watching it with amber and um we both are like the movie just has that hue to it, I, and you know the technical stuff a lot more than it I do. It was shot using, uh, I think, in one six six to one, which is never done in movies now. It's all one eight five or two four zero. Yeah, just those are the two standard formats. So if you saw this in the theater, there were there was pillar boxing on the sides of the screen. Right. It um it just had a, a hue to it. I thought though it because I mean it was you didn't really see any sun. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, was, it was like it was overcast all the it time. Is. Yeah, it was overcast the whole way through the film. It was just it was just dingy. That kind of filtered light. Yeah, you yeah. have the score on vinyl, don't you? Yes, yes, I do. 
That's freaky been, as fuck. Some Dude, of the scariest scenes are wordless. I, I think it got a lot of bad... Uh, and I don't want to say bad press, but I felt like the, the marketing for it made it out to be a completely different type of horror movie than it was. It was and a then, slow burner all day long. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. some people go in there and I thought it was going to be some jump scare crap fest. No, and no, then when it was, wasn't, they're like no. mad. Well, that's what people are used to now. It's the same thing with It Follows. It Follows had that same sort of polar reaction to it. Lights Out was... Was was Lights Out a 2016 film? I just thought about Lights Out. I think so. Yeah, but I've heard bad things about that. I I saw it. Was it 2000? Somebody looked that up. I swear it was this year. I'm pretty sure it was this year. Could you look that up real quick, Chris? Yeah, no, it was this year because I know Mike reviewed it. Yeah, that movie pissed me off. Well, go ahead, Andrew. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say it was the... uh, Short film initially that they expanded it into. The short film's cool. The short film's really cool. Uh, that movie really did piss me off because it scared the <laughs> shit out of me. It really did. I mean, that was another one I watched with Amber. She got a copy for us to watch. And I knew what was coming. But it still scared me. And I was getting angry. Like, God, just stop that. <laughs> I mean, and it was a terrifying movie. It really was. Um, I, You know, it wasn't. I, I didn't put it on my list here, but mm-hmm. it's one I just thought of. For the jump scare thing. Yeah. It was just riddled with jump scares. And there's something to be said about those things, I mm-hmm. guess, because you can't get used to them. You just can't. No, because you don't know when they're coming. You yeah. don't know when they're coming. But you, but I did. I'm like, okay, because, you know, if you've seen the movie, it's like, okay, he's going to do that, and then that thing's going to happen, and then, rah! And I'm, I know what's going to happen chronologically. And it still scares you. But it's still, I'm not ready <laughs> for it. I can't I can't deal with it. And I, I was getting so damn angry. I'm like, would you stop that crap? Enough. I feel like those movies are more fun to watch in a movie theater with a lot of people. So you get the kind of, everybody's like, wah! Kinda, yeah. It's more fun, more well, yeah, exhilarating. It's a, it's By yourself, it's like, yeah. It's yeah. a roller coaster ride. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Michelle, throw one of your favorites of 2016 at us. Um, I'm going to go with, this one doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Nocturnal Animals. Which, I've not seen it. You didn't see it. Tell Actually, us all about it, Michelle. Uh, well, it's just, it's cool because, well, it's Tom Ford, which uh, he's a fashion designer primarily. He's uh, He made another movie. I think it was called like A Strange Man or something like that. I think yeah. it's on Netflix. Uh, but it's basically a film about a rich lady played by Amy Adams, who's amazing in this movie, too. Uh, a rich lady married to a hot, rich guy. He's not paying attention to her. She's like, a, she's an art a uh, gallery owner and uh, she was married uh to Jake Hall's character um he was a poor artsy writer so okay. you know she's got the dichotomy between I used to be married to this artsy writer yeah and then she does things that aren't good and they end up getting divorced and she's married now to this rich guy that doesn't give a shit about her basically and he after not talking for 10 years he sends her this manuscript in the mail for his novel, and it's called Nocturnal Animals. Uh, so once she starts reading the novel, Jake Gyllenhaal plays the main character in the novel, which isn't her husband. It's just the protagonist. Yeah. So, but the Nocturnal Animals, the story that she's reading, it you know the movie shows it as it's playing out. Yeah. And it's like the grittiest, like you know, No Country for Old Men, dusty thriller. It's insanely well shot. It's like two insanely well shot movies glued together. It's amazing wow. how good each movie is because it's like this weird contrast because her life's all hoity-toity and she's doing weird, you know, arts people stuff and she yeah. dresses, yeah. she's rich. And, and then, like, you get every time she picks up the manuscript, you're transported into this dusty, you know, dark, visceral world that her husband is writing about. 
but really the 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 manuscript is a metaphor for their relationship and as she reads the the novel she starts uh reminiscing about when they were together yeah and it sounds kind of like i guess boring on paper but the way it's presented is contrived yeah but it's it's not it's it's done so well that you could just watch Nocturnal Animals by itself, like yeah. just the part where it's in the desert, and it would be a badass movie, but there's like this cool parts around it. Yeah. And it has mm-hmm. the best opening credits of 2016. I don't even want to spoil what happens in the first three minutes of this movie. I'm going to have to watch this. But the, fir- the, the credits are just fucking... There was a lady sitting next to me. Her mouth was fucking wide open, just agape, like, what the fuck is happening? That's how crazy those credits were. Mm. Andrew. But it was really good. Andrew. Um, I'm going to throw The Wailing out there. It's yeah. a South Korean horror film about this uh, series of uh, murders, inexplicable murders that are happening in this small Korean village. And meanwhile, people are getting sick by some kind of a viral outbreak. And it touches on everything from uh, cannibalism to demonic possession, zombification, uh, shamanism. Some of the most harrowing uh, portraits of shamanism I've ever seen on a film. Some of the most realistic uh, depictions of demonic possession I've seen since The Exorcist. And much like The Exorcist, it really leaves you out in the lurch. There's a number of scenes and events that happen right in front of the camera without warning, without any kind of safety net of music. It it just happens in real time. Which makes things way more scary. Mm-hmm. When you're just that makes it feel much more real because you don't have that backdrop, you don't have a soundtrack. Behind yeah, it, right. Yeah, um, yeah. It's almost like a live action version of the PlayStation Two video game Siren, which it was equally episodic and all took place in this small village where superstition was as real as as the sun. You've it's also it. kind of funny. It's like uh, the Wayland's kind of funny in the way. Like, have you seen the host? The yeah. other Korean film, the monster film. Yeah, the um, host is kind of goofy. Yeah, it's a, mm-hmm. it's not as goofy as the host, but it has that wry kind of South or Korean humor that they like to throw in. Like, they just, like to throw that in everything. Don't yeah, they? Mm-hmm. they do. It's it's very a Korean film for sure. What about the Neon Demon? Mm. I like that one. Did you a see lot. it, Scott? No, I didn't. No. no, that was my favorite for uh, for a while, and then The Handmaiden came. But we'll come back to that one. Yeah, the Neon Demon, it just I've only seen it the one time, but it's actually kind of stuck with me mm-hmm. since we've seen it. And like when I see stuff pop up online about it, I want to watch it again. Like there's so much texture in that movie mm-hmm. that I know I missed the first time that I know I'm going to go back and watch it again. And there's going to be a million things mm-hmm. that went unnoticed. And I think it's going to be one of those movies mm-hmm. that will continue to get a cult following just like Drive. Mm-hmm. or his other films, I need to see it again, like, now. now. I, um, I'll, that was another film that really had a great title sequence. I think that a lot of the glitter effects that were used mm-hmm. in the opening titles, that was shot using uh, 120 frames per second, 50 millimeter uh, lenses, and it had uh, a very unique look in high-speed motion. It just seems like there's a lot more experimentation going on than this year, too, doesn't it? Hush. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hush. Speaking of experimentation, yeah, Hush. Was that this year? That though? was this year. Was it? Is that yeah. the about the lady that she can't hear? Yeah. And the guy is trying to get in her house or yeah. something. I never did see that, but I really want to. I know me and Chris movies. had a hard on for that. We both really enjoyed it. It I, was 2016. You don't trust me? I'm just looking it up. You it was, don't no, trust right. me. No, it's 2016. You're see, right. See, why did you have to do that? <laughs> because it was We're so... supposed to have a relationship here, Chris. <laughs> 
Because I think it was kind of at the beginning of the year. That's why. What? Yeah, it was. You know what? You carry the show the rest of the... It's, it's on you now, Chris, all right? I'm upset. <laughs> Suck it. I'm, I'm really upset now. Go ahead. What are you going to say, Michelle? It was on It was on Netflix, right? Yeah, like, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is Fantastic. it still on there? Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah, cool. You got to see it. If yeah, you like horror, you'll mm-hmm. like Hush. Very, very simple. Is that Bloomhouse? That... Yeah. Is it? I'm pretty sure I feel sure like it is. It is. It, um, we occasionally get a, a good one, like a lucky find, but... Well, that one I heard so many people saying it was great, and I had a couple people recommend it to me. So yeah, and you guys just did. So that's even more people. So it's very stripped down. I thought it just you know it didn't have to get too crazy. It's very thriller esque. Yeah, you know it's not just straight horror. There's just a lot of old school thriller elements to it. Some jump scares. Mm -hmm. It's very physical. Um, Yeah, it's just a great movie all around. Mm. Yeah, Um, I also threw in Deadpool. Oh, that's what my number one superhero movie of the year. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I don't. Well, I'm not. Big. You didn't like it. I like it. That's all. <laughs> that's all. Well, I guess I just have to like it then too, Chris. Cause... No, no. Have your opinion. <laughs> that's fine. I always say that. You know, you should be you... happy that I actually saw the damn thing. Yeah, I'm not I really should into be. Superhero movies, and <laughs> I saw that. I was really, and I really enjoyed it. Well then. Sorry. No, I Take loved your favorite it. movie well, and go home. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about it, Michelle? Uh, well, I thought it was, it's probably the most accurate superhero movie that's ever been made as far as being faithful to the source material. Okay. It's spot on Deadpool, like spot on. They And I, I like that it was a passion project. I know it sounds silly to be like, I guess, excited about a passion project that's a superhero film, but mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds really pushed hard for that movie to be made the way it needed to be made and it paid mm. out. Who knows? They're probably going to fuck the sequel up because this just happens every time something... Because that movie, mm. they basically tried to just... They tried to cripple it right yeah. out the gate. They took money away from it. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. And they still... And, and the writers were smart and wrote around it. Like, for example, uh, there's all these scenes where Deadpool forgets his guns. And it was because at the last second they cut like ten million dollars out of the budget, so they had to cut the shoot all these shootouts. Mm-hmm. So they wrote into the script that he keeps forgetting all his guns, so that he can't have a shootout. <laughs> but it's like funny shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And also, there is no, you know, back in the day we used to have Naked Gun and satire movies yeah, and stuff. Yeah. We don't have that really anymore. And superhero movies, they're so cliche now that they need that satire type thing, and Deadpool fills that it niche really perfectly. Did. It, it, it made fun of the other movies that were out, which was fun, you know? And the thing is, is like, you know, coming from where I come from, where I, I don't follow mm-hmm. stuff like you guys do, I just saw that cold. And that's why I threw it on here, because it really stuck with me. I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. And there, I mean, I, I found myself laughing out loud several times for the movie. You know, not being a fan of the source material, um, it made me want to be a fan of the source material. I'm like, well, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, and it, and the, the the great thing about it is superhero movies are kind of forced to adhere to these certain narrative structures and things yeah. got to be in it. But Deadpool is self-aware of the fact that it's forced on them, mm-hmm. and they point out every time they have to do it. Oh, superhero landing! Oh, this is the part where I do this. You know, they point out the fact that this fact that the studios make them do this shit. Yeah. You know, I just think the it's formula. Yeah, they they point out the formula. I mean, they still have the formula, but at least it's self-aware enough to to point it out and make fun of it 
and maybe make you more aware watching other films. I, yeah. I liked it more than Civil War. I liked it more than Batman versus Superman. Uh, I know that's like, you know, hearsay to say you like something more in Civil War. But honestly, that was my favorite superhero uh, uh, movie. I, yeah. I felt like it was fresh and interesting take on it. Yeah. Andrew? Yes. You got one? <laughs> oh, I was going to mention uh, Love and Friendship, the uh, Whit Stillman film. Whit Stillman of uh, Last Days of Disco and Metropolitan. Hasn't made a film in, I think, a decade and just recently started getting back into it. And uh, unlike, say, Sense and Sensibility or some of the other Jane Austen adaptations that have come and gone, he, this one's compiled from pre-existing letters that she had written. And uh, it's one of the funnier movies that I'd seen this year and that Kate Beckinsdale didn't get more recognition for it is a real shame. I thought that that was one of the best. Uh, she never gets recognized for anything anymore. Well, she's got a new underworld trash yeah. heap coming out. Oh, God. <laughs> Fucking and dumpster fire series. How do you go from love and friendship to underworld? Well, she did underworld first, didn't she? What's that? She did underworld first. No, I mean going back to underworld. Oh, because she needs money. And, uh, like, I'll needs, give her some money. Mama funniest, needs money. <laughs> funniest performance by any actor I've seen this year is hands down Tom Bennett from Love and Friendship. Yeah. Just the... Uh, plays a bumbling idiot, but he's trying to appear aristocratic, and there's a number of things happening behind his back, a lot of uh, affairs going on that he's completely oblivious oblivious to. And that one hasn't gotten much notice at all, when, either. When we saw it, it was an empty theater, but it's appearing on a lot of top ten lists. Film Common put it on there. Okay. Did have a limited release? Yeah, it, although I saw it at the Forum 30. Mm-hmm. It managed to... Yeah, they get some from, of the more you know limited stuff there, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Sorry, God, I just got, I just got yelled at by the boss. Yep. <laughs> I hear a tap, tap. That What's was my, okay, I yeah. screwed up. I it was a nervous <laughs> thing. I did it. Yeah, you better be nervous. You better I'm be nervous for later. You're going to end my year right? Michelle brought the lube. I did. Did you? It's yeah. in the car. Let's not do this. <laughs> Let's throw a few more out there yeah, before yeah. we wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, you got one, Scott? Well, I mean, from my, kind of my arena... I did mention this earlier. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. So easy in other lives. That's the Duff McKagan documentary. That's the, that's which was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I Guns and Roses. That's the band. yeah. That's this big. You know, but he was also you know he was in Duff McKagan was in a lot of bands before Guns and Roses. Uh, he was in the Farts, for example. He was in a lot of you know he came from a punk background. Uh, and you, there's a book as I said a few minutes ago. There's a book that, that's a companion to the film, which he actually does kind of read out of. Mm-hmm. It's, it's excerpts from the book, um, where you know, it, which it's webbed in with you know pictures and footage and stuff like that, and though it just tells you the story. Like any good, I, I say that in a lot of my reviews. I'm like, look, I'll, when I when I watch a rockumentary or a documentary on a band or music, I want to know the story. Keep, keep stick to the story, you know, get into the meat of the story. That's to me. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's pretty. It's actually a very simple genre of film to review because <laughs> it's supposed to just tell yeah. you a factual story, right? I mean, yeah, you want it to look good and you want it to move right. It's got to have some type of pace, of course. The art has to be there too. But uh, Duff's documentary was a lot of fun, and I mean, you, I learned a lot from that too. Not being, I I didn't take the pill on Guns and Roses like a lot of people did back <laughs> in the day. Me neither. Um, I I'd like. That first, you know, Appetite for Destruction was a really great record, but I just didn't go nuts and turn into like 
join their cult basically um but you see a lot of you know you know the velvet revolver <clears throat> era of him you know his drug pro obviously this whole thing was around his drug use i mean because guns and roses were notorious for being one like that band like next to motley crew where they yeah they could snort and drink and I, they could do well, it axel anybody. looks terrible <clears throat> now yeah like that shit just aged him. He, he, just... Yeah, he looks. I mean, Duff McKagan looks great. That guy's carved yeah. out of wood now. I mean, he and they. There is an excerpt from the film when he got into like kickboxing. Like he got off the got off the dope. Yeah. Got started getting his life together, and he got into like you know heavy workouts. Like really, and they interviewed people. They're like, I went and did a workout with him, and we were there for an hour. And I was dying. I was puking on the floor. And Duff looks at me and goes, "That was the warm up. What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, you know, they're like, and that's, they, they, you know, they said about the man. With you know, everybody had talked about him throughout the. But they're like, mm -hmm. when he would do something, he just would go completely over the top, yeah. and that included the good stuff, obviously, mm -hmm. but that also included the bad stuff. <clears throat> so you know, he was just him and slash i saw that one too yeah. it was pretty damn really good. great him and slash talk you know about a lot of their time together and just like every day it was like they'd wake up with vodka cranberries that's what they did one so. that hasn't gotten mentioned a lot yeah. and andrew's gonna rail me for this one but one of my favorite theatrical experiences this year was ben-hur that, that was, was fun we saw that it I was it, it, so i can't comment on it i know but we don't really remakes of classics usually suck and we usually get bashed if we say they're good but that was a very well produced <clears throat> movie the acting was great um the characters were really well developed and they didn't shorten it up too much either like there was enough time for yeah. everything in it and some of those battleship sequences that battleship sequence was epic i mean it was, i don't know any other way to say it yeah it was epic it, every all the cgi had a really good look to it. And yeah. They actually used a lot of matte paintings and stuff in this movie. Yeah. They went back old school again. So that was that, one of my favorites. It was fun to watch. Yeah. yeah, we saw that together in the theater, well, and you held my hand too. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'll see it when it hits video, but I think for me, the reason I didn't rush out to see it was, like you said, it has CGI in it. In the original film, yeah, some of the effects are models, but the chariot race sequence, they really went out there and did that. They, they took four months to shoot yeah. that, and... That was the film that actually convinced Quentin Tarantino to shoot The Hateful Eight and Ultra Panavision. He was shown the chariot race sequence in Cinerama, and that was it. He was sold on it. It's so. crazy. Apparently, um, this is kind of related, the, in the new Blade Runner, I read that they only, they were saying they only took the green screen out a couple times, and that mm -hmm. most of that movie's practical. Mm -hmm. So really? I'm pretty excited about that. The shot following be. Ryan Gosling in the trailer looked like it was a outside a full city yeah. that they had built with a lot of people in it. You I'm know, I think I'm when so you're excited about that movie. coming back to these older franchises, you have to kind of do some of those mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. like what they do with the Force Awakens, because it still looks like Star Wars. Mm -hmm. If they had gone all CGI with all the aliens they and creatures and stuff, that mood. yeah, that because that worked Star really Wars good mood. for the prequels. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Man, don't you, get me started have you looked have you watched them lately just they look no. so bad that I will cgi age terrible i will not see, watch them you've seen the video of uh of how the performances are created out of like several different takes and they digitally morph them together so like half of the performances in the original the prequel trilogy are not even 
really existing. Yeah. Like people aren't even talking to each other and stuff. Like, it's just a hot mess. Like, mm-hmm. they're, like, film one scene and they film them and they smush them together. Like, it was oh. this weird composite, just everything about them. Is the awful. Phantom Menace is one of the worst things ever. It's, it's so boring. <laughs> so let's talk about Rogue One. The elephant in the room. Yeah? <laughs> you could probably end with that, too. It's only because of me. What's that? It's only an elephant room because of me. Well, yeah, and I want to know about this elephant. So let's let's start <laughs> with you, Andy. You guys liked time. it. I didn't. End of story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what didn't you like about it? I want. I know. I mean, I really want to. I want to know. Is it, no, I think I, it's you good might to convince me. Like, yeah, you're right. That movie is bullshit. Fuck it. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. What didn't you like? I mean, about honestly, it? it's Cry good maybe tears, to have no an bucket, opposing. <laughs> well, look at it this way. Did you like Godzilla 2014? No. All the reasons that I could list. You know, like a laundry list for uh, Rogue One, really all tie back to Godzilla 2014. I think that Gareth Edwards and uh, Neil Blomkamp, for that matter, are arguably bad post Christopher Nolan filmmakers. You know what I mean? Like they're they have this sort of clinical distance from the subject, but it's not really saying a whole lot of. There's not a whole okay. lot of depth to it. I I couldn't get into the personalities of the characters. The only ones I really cared about were. That robot and K two S O and yeah, yes, that he was badass. Only, he yeah. was a total badass. I and, find the first hour of that film to be a little boring. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I'm only partly because I'm not into the lore as much as other people, but yeah, it, it's just like really draggy. And I felt like no, I feel like the characters in Force Awakens are more developed. I actually like Force Awakens better. Than I do too. Rogue One. I do too. I know that's. I I'm not a Star Wars fan, so like my opinion really doesn't count. I'm just going by like all opinions count. I'm just going by like you know. Except for Michelle's. <laughs> but the the last third of Rogue One is kick ass as a motherfucker. Well, yeah. I, I just mean, wish the first half. I felt like the first half is an mm-hmm. afterthought, and they really planned out that epic uh, action at the end, and I felt like the they the writing's a little weak. In the first half, it went on for so long though that it got kind of monotonous too. Those that was exciting. Action sequences. See, I love that whole last third of the movie. That was that was but a ball. That I was can, a riot. I will agree with you guys. In the first hour of the movie, you can see the markings of the reshoots in mm-hmm. the toiling of Disney trying to yeah. bring it up to snuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, characters were underdeveloped, but in the case of the characters being underdeveloped. I think there was a reason for that. Mm-hmm. We know how the movie ends. We didn't need to get a whole shit ton of character development because we're never going to see these people again. Speaking no. of CGI and uh, people, I how, how did you guys feel about Peter Cushing being brought back to life with CGI? Because I thought it looked like the Polar Express. I saw it in three different theaters. The first time we saw it in the epic experience in 3d and everything was like massive huge so you could really see the detail detail. yeah lots of you could see the detail in the computer generation of the character Mm -hmm. the voice was fine i didn't have a problem with that they recreated peter cushing's voice just fine and his mannerisms looked great too then when i saw it the second night on a standard theater yeah it looked a lot better it looked a lot cleaner he looked a little bit more real but the motions when he was walking, that's where they could have improved a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Now, if I had my way, I would have had Tarkin in there just a very, very little bit. They had him in the movie way too much. Mm-hmm. He probably had 15 minutes of screen time. Mm-hmm. 
that's a lot when you're injecting a computer-generated character into a movie with live actors. However, I love Tarkin, mm-hmm. though. I, I do love I Tarkin. I loved him. I just, he, that's probably he, why he's in there so much. They he, wanted to give you, you know, wanted to give you what you want. The problem yeah. was there wasn't enough Vader in the movie. Fuck! So. You're right. <laughs> it was just a tease, and the rest of it was the Ben Mendelsohn show. Yeah, so what they <laughs> should have done is cut the Tarkin scenes down, and Vader could have very easily carried almost all of those Tarkin scenes. They could be interchanged, yeah. and it would have basically been the same thing, only you wouldn't have gotten so much of the turmoil between Krennic and Tarkin. Mm-hmm. I thought so, Forrest Whitaker got wasted in that movie. Oh, he totally did. Worst worst costume he's worn for a movie since probably Battlefield Earth, I think. <laughs> I always forget about that movie. Because <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> it's easy, to, easy Scient- to forget about. The Scientology movie. <laughs> I, w- I was... I. I Dianetics, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I read that about Tarkin. I mean, about how, what they were going to do before I even saw the film. So, and I, and I wish I hadn't have read that before I went to see Rogue One, because um, of course now I was ready for it. I was front loaded, and I was waiting for it. And so, of course, I was ultra critical on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it looked. I mean, for. What it is, I thought it looked really good, but my brain was already in that mode where, like, I, I know this isn't the real person, right? So I kind of was ultra critical on that. I but and I wish I would have been able to come into that just a, with a with an open mind. Um, but I think it looked, I think it looked cool. But yeah, th- there was a lot. We he didn't need to be there that much. I don't think he um, didn't. But I, like I just said a minute ago, though, I, I love Tarkin. <laughs> the rest of the CGI in the movie was good, though. Well, like all the fight scenes and all the flying and all that stuff was cool looking. Oh, the cinematography yeah. is good. Yeah, I, it's a good I looking movie. Drove to the Indiana State Theater to see it in seventy millimeter because I knew that a bunch of it was shot using the same ultra Panavision lenses that were used in the Hateful Eight, and the resolution changes are definitely noticeable in that format. But it wasn't like what they did with the Force Awakens, where one scene opened up to the full IMAX screen. Yeah, it was just some scenes look sharper than others. And to the film's credit, it makes it make it, it and uh, the Fall of the Roman Empire are the only two Ultra Panavision movies that were shot in the full format, but were reframed for a less wide widescreen image. So he did some cool stuff with it. You can appreciate. So mm-hmm. that's good. <laughs> Technically speaking, it's good. I just found it dry. Yeah, that's okay. All right, we went really long tonight. We did. Mm, it's long. There was a lot to talk about, though, um, yes. and I I would have felt bad if we didn't spend more time tonight on the stuff that's going on in the world right a, now. A lot came up at the very last minute with Debbie Reynolds' death. I found out just half an hour before I even drove over. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's just we needed to spend time tonight, and I actually, I mean, I I could feel this tonight, honestly. Not trying to like put a spotlight on it, but I think I could feel like we're normally we're all kind of just you know talking shit to each other, and I do feel I mean I know I feel inside like I'm just I'm here, and I'm not jumping through the hoops myself. I mean I'm giving this 150 percent, but there's something just kind of holding I think holding me down. Our mood is a little more dour. We're and it's winter too tonight. Yeah, well, winter don't bother me. It's but a little bit more losing Carrie Fisher, usual. that sucks. Yeah. That 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 really does make me feel kind of bummed out. So, you know, I, I, and her death triggering her mom's death. 
that was yeah, rough that's to read. A, a, an ultimate domino effect. That's just that's that, that's just scary. So you know, I I personally hate to end the year like this, but this is what the cards we've been dealt. Mm-hmm. This better be it. Yeah, well, well there's only a couple sure. more days for God's sake. I mean, what more can happen? Don't even say don't, that. Don't, yeah, don't even so. say that. Don't wish it Knock on, on anybody. Well, like I would. it's to the point that... where I see somebody's name just pop up. I'm like, oh, my God, are they dead? Yeah, that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the Nugent. hoaxers are having a riot right now. Ted Nugent, we're talking to you. <laughs> More politics. No, that's not even political. That guy is just a piece well, of a, shit. He's a, he's a man. An untalented piece of shit. I did shit. see a meme for Kanye. They're like, okay, yeah. There's I a saw, couple days left. I saw, yeah, yeah. 2006, we still have a couple days left. Yeah. <laughs> fucking hysterical. <laughs> well, this was episode 39. Yeah, we're, we're kick off man. episode 40 in 2017. 2017. Yeah, man. And hopefully we'll all have smiles on our face next week and get some blowjobs this weekend over the holiday and we'll all be happy, happy, happy. I can't get blowjobs. Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> with that said, this is Chris with the moviesleuth.com. Questions, comments, or concerns? See, it's already starting. Or blowjobs, apparently. Or blowjobs. Yeah. $5 a piece. <laughs> Email me at... Dude, really? Yeah. Chris at spoilerfreemoviesleuth.com. You got change for a 50? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> With that, Happy New Year, and we will see you next week. Be safe, everybody. Visit us at www.themoviesleuth.com and find The Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes. <laughs>